Welcome to episode 51 of Tap the Craft. My name is Denny Luce, and along with my buddy John Ream, we are going to guide you on your craft beer journey by passing on our knowledge and our experience to you, the listener. We are recording this episode on Tuesday, July 5th, 2016, and in this show we're going to talk about a few hop varieties, and this is focused around an article that was on the craftbeer.com website labeled 12 single hop beers to test your palate which i think is a great way to introduce different hop varieties to the listener and give you some beers to try if you have those in your area so we're going to talk about that article we're going to talk about a few of those hops and it should be a fun entertaining and educational segment we also have an article that suggests that people who like ipas are psycho Oh my gosh, Is that, that sounds psycho right there, me just talking about it. But, of course, you can always count on John and I having all kinds of great beer banter. And, John, talking about beer banter, how are you doing tonight? Still in a little bit of a recovery mode. Um, yeah, I, I traveled uh, for 10 days uh, since we last recorded, and I, I definitely needed the vacation from my vacation before I got <laughs> yeah. back to work. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um Unfortunately, most of that was my own doing uh, as we showed up at the airport in Charleston to fly back to Seattle, and they didn't have a reservation because we were supposed to be in Savannah, Georgia, Seattle, oh. uh, because I booked the wrong flight. Um, we had been going back and forth about which one to fly out of because they were both you know, kind of the two places you'd look at. And uh, we settled on Charleston, and I booked Savannah. Oh, my god! <laughs> and then nobody caught it for the entire time until we left. So we had to rebook. We didn't get home till like, 1 in the morning, uh, at which point we realized we'd been awake for 22 of the last 24 hours. Um, and it routed us through Miami, which <laughs> Miami to Seattle is a almost seven-hour flight with two kids. So that was great. Um, <laughs> but you know, we're, we're getting back to a, a little bit of normalcy here. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> well, you know, John, you just lived. My biggest nightmare is to do exactly what you did and uh, you survived. So I have to hand it to you for taking it, taking the reins and controlling your own destiny, even though you screwed it up to begin with, you did you did good. So it, wait, is Kristen still happy with you, or is she pissed that you screwed everything up and and made her have no sleep? Ah, uh, no, we're good. Okay, <laughs> all right. Then you, then it's a win. It's a win win. You're just a little bit yeah, a little bit tired, and a little lighter in the pocket. <laughs> uh, of course, of course, that discount ticket you bought months in advance. Uh, aren't very discounted now, I'm sure. Well, we we ended up having a rebook on another airline because they wanted $465 a person to change our existing reservation. So we, we booked on another airline for $170 a person oh. uh, to get out, which was nice. Yeah. But 
uh, still a long day and money I didn't need to spend. I I hear you. I hear you there. Well, you know what, John? Let's get on a more happier topic. And uh, let me let me let me know what you're drinking tonight, because I know that you need to calm down and and regroup with some good craft beer. So what are you? What's in your glass tonight? Yeah. So I broke into my cellar tonight, uh, and I pulled out from Heathen Brewing. Uh, it's part of their Feral series, and it's the Peach Panache which they describe as a tart wild saison ale aged with white peaches in a vermouth barrel. Sounds awesome. And uh, so far it is awesome. It's a little cold right now. I'm trying to warm it up. Um, But nice peach aroma, a little bit of uh, flavor in there. Uh, From time to time, I I feel like I'm getting hints of the vermouth, but it's not really there Mm -hmm. uh, strongly. But we'll see as it it warms up. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. Uh, how about you? What are you drinking? Well, you know what? Um, yeah, gosh, I was walking through the store. And I was with my daughter. She came to visit us over the holiday weekend, and I was thinking, I was looking through the the, the different selections, trying to find something that is drinkable on a Fourth of July weekend, right? You want something? I was looking for some full sale. I was hoping I had a full sale, like that assortment package of different uh, um, of those session ales. And they didn't have that in stock. But my daughter goes over, and you know what? She grabs the beer, and I said, okay, let's go. And any idea what she grabbed? Uh, is this a certain creek? <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> my, my family knows me so well that she didn't even have to blink an eye. She went over, grabbed a six-pack of Bitch Creek, and we walked right out the door. And I'm drinking Bitch Creek from Grand Teton Brewing. My go-to beer, probably my favorite beer, and I don't know why it's my favorite beer except for it's just a damn good, tasty beer. And that I think I, that's a good reason. Yeah, that's a good reason. <laughs> and I mean, everyone asks, "What's your go-to beer?" By far, Grand Teton Bitch Creek is my go-to beer. It's a beer, no matter what season it is, I can enjoy it, and I am enjoying it right now. And I've been enjoying it over the weekend, so I'm drinking it with you. Ah. Uh. Yeah, yeah, so celebrating. So now, before we get into our new and noteworthy beers and the rest of the content, because you've already mentioned, John, that you've been traveling for 10 days, I want to hear, and I'm sure our listeners want to hear, besides your your traveling exploits about your, you know, your bad flight decision, what have you been doing for these last 10 days? Was there anything exciting, new that you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, so... <clears throat> I was traveling for a wedding and a family reunion, uh, and uh, both in different places. But uh, the first thing was the wedding, and that was our buddy Wes's wedding. Yeah. Um, and Wes brewed all the beer and a cider for his wedding. Oh, he's awesome. Uh, so I did tell him <laughs> I was disappointed, um, mostly because uh, it was all way better than I was hoping for, because I really wanted to just give him crap like the whole night. <laughs> Um, but it was all really good. Uh, I, my favorite was the Kolsch, um, might've had something to do that. It was 97 degrees and a thousand percent humidity. Um, but he did the, uh, hoppy Brown, the Janet's, uh, the Kolsch, um, a pale ale based off, uh, tired hands, uh, out of Philadelphia, hop hands, um, and then a cider, which a lot of people liked, um, but wasn't really my thing. But I'm not a huge cider fan, so 
Uh, but yeah, well, he actually, uh, you know, went through with it. So way to go. <laughs> okay. And he had enough beer uh-huh. for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the kegs were starting to float, um, in the, uh, ice water. Well, mostly water at that point, <laughs> due to the heat, um, towards the end of the night. So, uh, I think he did all right. Excellent. So, um, but yeah, after that, went to a family reunion, uh, in Hilton Head, uh, South Carolina. And uh, was able to make a trip over to the Hilton Head Brewing Company. Okay. Um, and uh, I had thought I'd seen it earlier in the week uh, when we were out doing a scavenger hunt. Um, and uh, But when I punched in the brewery, it took us to a different location, so I was a little confused. But I guess they, they had a brew pub that they're attempting to sell at this point to get rid of, and they're focusing on their production site and they're about to expand uh there to a 20 barrel system from the seven barrel that they're currently brewing on um but uh had a, a pint there bought some to take home uh had a great conversation with the bartender there and uh he took us back in the into the brewery uh where they were they were currently brewing and filling kegs and busy um but uh, it was a great experience, and uh, I'll talk about a couple of the beers a little later. Um, but it was really cool. They were they are really cramped, and I think they are overly ready to, for an expansion. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, but they've got, uh, I think, seven fermenters, uh, a mixture of seven-barrel fermenters and 20-barrel fermenters um, that they're producing all their beer out of. Um, they're triple batching into the 20 barrel fermenters uh, to fill them up, uh, which is a really long day. But uh, yeah, a really good operation there. And they had some, some pretty good beer. So that was really cool. If you get a chance, go, uh, go check them out, but make sure you go to the actual brewery where they have a little taste (laughs) other place. Yeah. So, so they're actually a very small, so they're, are they moving into a spot where they can have a bigger uh, brew system? Uh, no, I think they're expanding in their current location. Oh, okay. Um, of where their production facility is. Okay. Uh, and they have a little maybe 12-seat tasting room. Um, nothing really big, but uh, enough to sling some pints. So Okay. Okay. So so they must have, you said the 20-barrel fermenters, they got to brew three batches. So they have like a seven-barrel system or five-barrel system? Seven-barrel. Seven? Yeah. Okay. He said uh, sometimes they can squeeze 21 into those uh, 20 barrel fermenters. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, that, that's a lot of work. That's a full day just yeah. to, just to fill one fermenter. <laughs> yeah, I think he said it was an 18 hour day when they do that. So, oh wow! Yeah, that's a long day of uh, standing over the brew kettle. I so. bet. I bet. So what what have you been up to these last uh, couple of weeks? Okay, well, I also traveled a little bit. I went to Pendleton, Oregon, and we visited my wife's parents there, and we saw some of the sites. Now, it's a cowboy town, and there's not much to do, but there is an underground an underground tour of back in the days when when, you know, it was cowboys and and you know, when there was, they told me there was three prohibition periods just in Pendleton itself. Despite the federal uh, prohibition, they had three, you know, separate ones just in the town, which I thought was crazy. And so they had a pretty um, robust underground system where they would have their booze and their women 
and their card playing, their high stakes poker games, where they were telling me it was five hundred dollars to get, to just to buy into a, uh, a, a round of poker there. And back in you know in the eighteen hundreds and early nineteen hundreds, five hundred bucks is a lot of money for playing I think poker. Five hundred bucks is a lot of money now. I mean, yeah, for yeah, it's a lot of money for me. But I, I can't imagine a hundred years ago. You know, having to pay five hundred dollars just to get into a poker game—that is truly high stakes poker, in my in my opinion. Back, especially back then, and we had a good time touring, but uh, there isn't a lot to do there except for to go to the. There is a uh, Indian reservation casino called Wild Horses, and we did go there. And I had fifty dollars. Sarah and I had fifty dollars each to spend. Um, yeah. I suck at gambling. I was I was done with my fifty bucks within fifteen minutes after we walked in the door, and I was just watching Sarah for the next two hours take her money, and she ended up losing forty, but she still walked away with ten of that fifty left over. So she didn't come out a total loser like me. I was a loser because I lost all my money early on, and I had to stand there and watch everyone else play after that so. so so they didn't notice how fast you lost your money and start plying you with drinks oh come on mr denny <laughs> yeah um actually they did come by they did come by for drinks and and sarah said no thank you before i had a chance to say yeah yeah give me some beer um, <laughs> but then they noticed that i wasn't playing anymore because they do have a machine that allows you to put your credit card in there and pump money out but um we both have willpower and I just, you know, I didn't want to get into that, into that whole thing where I push my card in and I get 500 bucks out. And then in, you know, 30 minutes later, I'm out $550 because, uh, that's how I gamble. I'm not a very good gambler. So, <laughs> but we did that for a weekend. That was the weekend that uh, Wes got married. So you, while you were having fun, I was, you know, kind of having fun too, but after that, last week, my buddy Alex, he just relocated here from Israel, and he is a home brewer. He's not brewing anything right now, but you know he likes to partake in, in trying beers, and we go out every so often to, to try beers, and he brought back a few beers from Israel that I hadn't had yet. He knew, you know, because he's on Untapped, he saw which beers that I have not checked into. He brought five more beers back into Boise for me to try, along with about seven... I think between what I brought and another buddy um, brought, we had 12 beers in our little tasting party that we had last Wednesday. And um, so I just want to talk about a couple of these Israeli beers that that were uh, really uh, nice, that I enjoyed. And we had two two from two breweries. The first brewery is from Herzl Brewing, and I mentioned Herzl from before. They did that, uh, that Cuban um, tobacco porter that i really enjoyed it's one of the ones i i really liked back back when i was in israel last time but uh the other one they had they, he brought an ipa and this is the first ipa that herzl's done and it was a pretty tasty ipa the he also brought uh, a beer called the six percent kapara and it's an english mild and i really enjoyed that english mild i thought that was a very uh uh, drinkable beer. Now it is a six percent beer, so it's a little bit uh, heavier for an English mild. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's like twice the size of an English mild. <laughs> but, but I think Kapara is uh, is Jewish for uh, uh, atonement. So he's making uh, a, you know he's making atonement for being uh, higher than the allowable uh, mild, I believe. Uh, but hey, it's still a good beer. So if you are in Israel and you have a chance to try that one, I recommend it. I really enjoyed it. 
Then he brought two beers from a brand new brewery that I had never even heard of, and it's called Souf, S-O-O-F, Souf Brewery, and I think he said it was in Bersheva, uh, and I might be mistaken, oh no, Elat, it was in Elat, which is uh, down south, it's the uh, resort town down close to, or not south, yeah, south, south Israel, uh, close to Egypt, so... Uh, this is a new brewery that opened up for all those uh, resorters that go down there and enjoy the, the beach and the snorkeling and the scuba diving and all that fun stuff. And uh, the first one was a wheat beer. Now, it's in untapped as a Hefeweizen, but this was a very clear Hefeweizen. They must have either used some clarifying agent um, or something, but it tasted like a Hefeweizen. It had a kind of a clovey flavor to it, and uh, it was really good. I really enjoyed that wheat beer. And the other one was an English porter, which was also pretty good. It had a nice, uh, you know, it had a nice uh, roasted malty flavor to it, which was great. So both those beers I was pretty impressed with from a brand new brewery. So when I go back to Israel, I'm going to have to pursue more beers from the Souf brewery. And then the last beer that we I want to talk about from Israel is from Shapiro. And uh, they make great beer. I haven't. I've enjoyed everything they've made, and they made an IPA that was focused on Citra hops, and it's called the IPA Citra 2016. And uh, I'll tell you what, I think that was the best beer of the night. I think I gave it a four and a half uh, cap rating. Uh, it was a really, really solid IPA, and the Citra hops were like pronounced in it, and they did a great job. So if you if you have a chance at getting that beer, I recommend. Give it a try. It's, it's a fantastic IPA. Nice. And kudos to them for getting their hands on some Citra. Yes. <laughs> it's yeah, it's easy. <laughs> no, and it's especially tough in Israel because they're limited on what they can brew by what they can get imported into the country because they don't have any of the natural ingredients, you know, that are produced there. So they have to get, bring everything in from outside. So it's basically whatever they can get in, they, you know, they roll with it. All right, well, we kind of just talked about some, you know, at least I did, about some noteworthy beers. But be- because we don't want to leave you guys out in the States, uh, let's go ahead and talk about some of the new and noteworthy beers that John and I have tasted over the last couple of weeks. And, John, why don't you start us off? All right, so I will start with the beer I had in the Nashville airport uh, leaving Wes's wedding. Uh, and that's the Yazoo Brewing Sly Rye Porter. Um, and Danny, I think you would really like this beer. Okay. Uh, because it had really smooth, like, chocolate character. Mm. And then just that hint of spice, like, right at the end. Yeah. Uh, that just kind of gave it a nice little uh, depth to it. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed that one. And had the pints not been $11, oh. I probably got a full one. <laughs> oh, damn. Um, but uh, I didn't realize that my taster flight was going to be 18 bucks uh, when I ordered it. <laughs> wow, so, 18 bucks for a taster flight. That yeah, is- I knew I was in trouble when somebody like ch- cashed out from their pint, and it, she was like, $11. And I was like, I really hope you added one before I got here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yep, airport prices, uh, a cap- captive audience and all that. Um, uh but yeah, that was a really good one. So if you're ever in that area, uh, try to pick that one up. So another one, uh, the rest of these I, I had when I was out in South Carolina. And this one is uh, Palmetto Brewing, uh, their Espresso Stout. 
And this one, the coffee character was just tremendous. Uh, it was really bright. Uh, just um, the aroma was just leapt out. It was really good. And this was the beer that we had after we discovered I screwed up our flight. So that may have helped <laughs> uh, a little bit. Um, but uh, it, it was very nice. And I, I wish I'd gotten two of those for us uh, rather than that and another beer. And Kristen got that beer. So uh, I kept trying to steal as many sips as possible. Um, but she, she guarded it pretty closely. All right. That, <laughs> hey, you got to keep the wife happy. That's right. I do. Um, so then I'll, I want to talk about a couple of beers from the Hilton Head Brewing Company. Uh, one is the, uh, their session IPA, uh, which we picked up a six pack when we were there, uh, to take back with us. And, uh, this one really citrusy, really light. And it was awesome in the heat. Uh, we took it down to the pool and to the beach and it was perfect. Um, this, it, it, it was just a, it's a very light citrus, uh, and I think if it had gotten into the kind of piney realm or even, you know, kind of that resinous uh, side of it, it just wouldn't have been as enjoyable in the heat. Um, but keeping it on the, that light citrusy side, uh, it was very nice and, and very welcome uh, with, with just how hot it was because uh, it, it was like mid-90s, high humidity, which I, I'm just not used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, now uh being out in seattle for so long I, yeah. i've lost all my immunity oh yeah uh, to the humidity um but uh the other one i'll talk about is what i had when we were at their uh tasting room and that's their uh, reggie ipa uh and this beer was super fresh and just all kinds of juicy like juicy fruit tropical kind of flavor and, and aroma in it and i i really enjoyed this beer uh if if we hadn't had the the espresso stout at the airport on our way out of town, this probably would have been my beer of the trip. Mm. Um, but uh, those two were were right there for my my top beer. Um, but I, I really enjoyed this IPA, and I I wish I could get some more of it now. Oh wow! <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, if you're over there, stop by, check them out. They've got a lot of good stuff. I, I didn't have a bad beer of of what I had of theirs, so. Um, definitely worth a stop. How about you, Danny? What are your uh, notable beers? Okay, I had a couple. Um, just to, to give everyone notice that uh, one of the breweries that I've been dying to try for years now, and I've, I actually passed through Bend, Oregon, uh, you know, every couple years, but it just, they haven't been open or it hasn't been the right time for me to stop in there and, and visit them. And uh, it's Crux Fermentation Project. And, you know, everything I had heard about them was just fantastic. Well, guess what? They are now distributing in the Boise area. And they had a welcome to Idaho or welcome to Boise party where they were uh, showed up at a bunch of different uh, events around town. And, of course, Brewers Haven had an event. And Sarah and I, my wife, went to the, the event and wanted to sample a few of their beers now. Just to premise this event, I was a little disappointed. I know that over at another venue, they had like nine or ten of their beers on ta- on tap, and so that's a gr- that's a great variety. And it, and that was the night before, the the night we went at Brewers Haven, they only had four beers on tap, and they were and three of them were IPAs, and one was a stout, which I was a little disappointed. I would have liked to have seen a more variety than 
then a session IPA, a regular IPA, and a double IPA. I mean, I had three IPAs and then a stout. Uh, I was, I mean, IPAs are great. I know that everyone loves IPAs. I enjoy IPAs, but come on. I don't need to have three or four beers being an IPA uh, version, right? I, I, give me a little bit of a variety. But I'm I'm kind of, uh, you know, going off track here. The beer I want to talk about is the one that was the oddball in that group, and that was the Nitro Stout. And it was on nitrogen. And I'll tell you what, I am not a fan of nitrogen. I think nitrogen beers are good in, like, cream ales. I, I enjoy a cream ale with nitrogen. That's pretty much it. Uh, stouts I usually don't enjoy because I believe it takes away from some of that roasty malt, that sharp, you know, kick that that roasty malt gives me. And I don't want it smooth out. I want to have that that roastiness, you know, up front. But guess what? The nitrogen does not take away from what I enjoy in a good st- American stout. And I'll tell you what, this beer was fantastic on nitrogen. And if I didn't already say it, it's, it's called uh, the Nitro Stout from Crux Fermentation Project. So have you had that beer, John? I have, actually. I just had it uh, two or three weeks ago. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. Now, just imagine how aggressive that would be without the nitro. I know. <laughs> no, and that's just it. Is I think if it didn't have the nitro, it might be you know too much for your palate. And that, that, so I'm glad that it's a nitrogen only like beer. So it's uh, that's pretty good. So that's one I wanted to mention. If you guy, anyone out there is listening, can get Crux Fermentation Project in your area, and you can get the nitro nitro stout on tap. I recommend giving that a shot. It's a really good beer. The other one is another uh, Oregon beer, and it's called it's from Burnside Brewing, and it's the Spring Rye IPA. And you know, as John already mentioned, he mentioned that I would probably enjoy that rye porter that he had uh, in Tennessee. I am a sucker for rye. I love that rye spiciness in my in beers, and this was a really really nice rye saison the saison was there you know was everything i enjoy about a good farmhouse saison it was in the beer plus it had a little bit of spiciness to finish it off i will say that the warmer it got it almost became a little bit too much spiciness for me uh but it was still a good beer so uh, john have you had this one by any chance uh no i haven't okay this one okay so all of our peeps out there in the uh, oregon area and in the portland area go give this a shot if you enjoy saisons and if you enjoy rye i think it's a pretty solid beer i I really did enjoy it and then the last one i want to talk about is one of my favorite idaho breweries it's selkirk abbey it's way up north in post falls idaho and they make some great uh you know like belgian ales and this this one's kind of a little step away from what they normally do. This is a Scotch ale, and it's called the Grace. And I'll tell you what, um, I fell in love with this beer on the first sip. And why did I fall in love with it? Because it it adds the little bit of smokiness that I appreciate in a good Scotch ale, along with a sweetness of the Scottish yeast. But this time, the sweetness came across like a like a butterscotch drop, like a butterscotch candy. It had that kind of really rich, buttery, butterscotch uh, flavor. And I'll tell you what, I just fell in love with it uh, on the first sip. And all the way through the whole 22-ounce bottle, all the way to the end, no matter how warm or cold it got, 
um, it had fantastic flavor. So if you were able to go out there and find some of this Selkirk Abbey and find the Grace, the Scotch Yell, uh, give it a shot. Um, let me know what you think because I really enjoyed it. Now, John, I know you've had a couple of Selkirk Abbeys. Have you had the Grace? Yeah, I was just looking it up, and I have not had that one. I've only had three from them. Okay. And that's not one of them. So. Okay. All right. So that is my new and noteworthy beers for the last two weeks. Now, John, guess what time it is? Untapped update time. That's right. Untapped update. We're going to leave it at that. I'm not going to try to get fancy with calling it by some special title. So you had the opportunity to take control. Now, did you take control of this whole uh, race? A little bit, a little bit, yeah. Uh, I picked up eight beers. Oh, so good for back you. Back to uh, double digits, um, <laughs> only behind by ninety-three. All so, right. Yeah, and I passed two thousand check-ins while I was gone. So, uh, yay! Yay! All right, all right. I, I am slowing down, although, um, I, I mean, I'm slowing down on uniques, but it's not that I'm not drinking beer because I've been drinking a lot of stuff I've already had, so it's okay. I, I'm, yeah, I'm giving was, you a shot. Yeah, I was actually a little worried because I didn't get out to as many of the places I was hoping to on my travels. I was, I was worried that you were going to uh, maybe at least keep pace with what I was doing because <laughs> um, I, I didn't have as much time to go explore as I thought mm-hmm. I would, um, but still still made up some ground, so okay, happy for that. Now, now... By any chance, were you able to log the beers that Wes had brewed, or did you not log those because he didn't put them in untapped? No, he didn't put them in, and I was too lazy to. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. Thank you, Wes. I owe you one. <laughs> yeah, you better ship him a case of beer now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, guess what? We had a listener question right at the bell, right when John and I were getting ready to record we had our buddy Chris McKenzie. He came through and he came up with a question for us, John. Now, it's not the the usual question that we get asked from our listeners, but it's okay. It's kind of a fun question. And he's he asked, and this is, if you want to follow Chris, he's on Twitter at Chris underscore McKenzie 82. And he's a great follow. Go, uh, you know, go find him and, and tell him that you, you like what he has to do for Tap the Craft because he helps out the show a lot. So he asked, what are some beer rules you like to follow? And I'm going to start off right away that I don't like to follow rules when it comes to beer. So I'm just saying right away that that uh, I don't like beer rules. So he had a, a photo that came along with this question, and it was a, a snapshot of a, of a chalkboard that is in front of one of his venues he likes to vi- visit. And on that chalkboard, he had it had five different things that said, uh, what the rules were when drinking at this facility. It says no frozen mugs, no crap on tap, no mixing of brews, no beer shots, and no fruit in beers. Now, there's a little stipulation that if the brewer mixes the beer, it's okay, and if the brewer puts fruit in it, it's okay. But he doesn't want to put, it says, you know, you can't adorn it with, with fruit, right? You know, oranges and, and crap like that. So, uh, based off of those five, John, which of those rules do you like to follow? Uh, I would follow the no frozen mugs. Yeah. Uh, no crap on tap. <laughs> okay. I do that one as well. Uh, 
I have no problem with mixing brews. I I don't either. Choose your own adventure. So, um, I'm not sure what the no beer shots uh, exactly refers to. If it's getting taste of beers before you order them, I, I I would not follow that. If it's like, you know, a beer floater in some kind of <laughs> drink, then I, I, yeah, I probably wouldn't do that. Um, so I'd need a little clarification there, but uh, I think we know where I stand. Um, and the no fruit in beers, uh, yeah, I don't add fruit to my beers. Yeah. Um, so... You, you and I are right on track. I agree with exactly what you said. I don't like frozen mugs because it waters down my beer, and it makes it so I can't taste a beer. I only want frozen mugs if the beer is unpalatable because uh, then it freezes my tongue, and I don't have to drink it. It waters down your beer. You're worried about that little bit of condensation yeah. inside the glass. <laughs> yeah. I don't want that so watered about, down. <laughs> how about when the bartender takes your glass and rinses it right before they fill your pint? You know what? It's it, it dries so fast that I don't even uh, notice <laughs> That's it. That's way more water. Than <laughs> hey, hey. Hopefully the glass wasn't just rinsed before he gave it to me. Hopefully it was, you know, I don't know. It, you're right. Okay. I was, uh, it, it's, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to have my taste buds frozen. That's for sure. There you go. <laughs> and, and, and I've already mentioned that if there's no good beer on tap, I would rather drink water than to pay six, seven bucks for crap on tap. I'm not going to pay for crap on tap. So that's definitely a rule that I'm going to follow. Yeah, some people following on tap may have seen me logging some things. But none of that was on tap. It was all cans, and yeah. I didn't pay for any of it. That's so, right. If it's free, know. yeah, if it's, <laughs> if it's free, it's okay, right? It's your choice, and you're just like, you know what? It didn't cost me anything, and I'm hot and thirsty. Why not drink it? And uh, mixing brews, I actually enjoy mixing brews now when i when they say mixing brews i'm talking about blending like two beers together and i know it's not a normal thing but uh there's some bars that actually have uh you know a blended beer mix that they'll have on their menu says hey we take this beer and this beer and we blend them together and this is what you get and i'll tell you what those are some pretty tasty beers so i'm okay with breaking that rule because sometimes you know, you can mix two beers that may not be your favorite, but when you put them together, it's tasty. And that, that's the oh, key. Yeah. Go to a uh, rogue public house and ask for the Snickers beer. Yeah. Uh, it's a mix of their chocolate stout and the uh, hazelnut porter. Mm-hmm. And it tastes just like a Snickers bar. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. And, and I agree with you, John. I think the beer shots are like, you know, doing boilermakers or whatever. No, I'm not going to go ahead and – oh, wait, that wouldn't be a beer shot. That would be – a liquor in a beer. I don't know what a yeah. You're right. What does beer shots mean? It means like just taking a shot where you toss it down real quick. Uh, I don't know. That's like college days. I, I'm a, I'm above that too. And I don't adorn my beers with anything but my lips. That's the only thing that gets on my mm. rim of my of my glass. So, <laughs> all right. Well, hey, listeners out there, wh- how many of these rules do you follow? Let us know. Do you like to have rules when uh, when drinking your beer, or do you like to do it by the seat of your pants, whatever you feel like drinking, you just drink it the way you want? Hey, it's okay. There's no wrong answer. Unless you don't agree with us, then clearly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> so if you out there want to participate on the show like our buddy Chris did, hey, it's easy. All you have to do is contact us either through our 
email, which is at tapthecraft at gmail.com, or Twitter, which is at tapthecraft on Twitter. And on Facebook, just look for our page. We have a page that Chris manages. It's uh, facebook.com slash face... Oh, not Facebook. Facebook.com slash tapthecraft. It's that easy, right? I, I almost said Facebook slash Facebook. That would get you... I don't know where that gets you. All right. Well, now it is time for our Brew Buzz segment. And the Brew Buzz is devoted to discussing all kinds of various beer-related topics. And guess what? This week we have a very special topic brought to you by craftbeer.com's article. That's the 12 single hop beers to test your palate. And as I was uh, you know, mentioning to John, I thought this was a great topic for us to to kind of expound on a few uh, hop varieties, what the flavors they give, and what beers that you can try if you wanted to have a single hop experience and, and actually get exactly what this hop has to provide for the beer. You're going to have the taste, the aroma, everything is going to be with a single hop, and you'll be able to experience what that hop provides. So thank you, craftbeer.com, for providing us this article that we can share with our listeners and get you guys educated on a few hops. So basically, the article starts off and it says that the, you know hops are the backbone of American craft beer. Again, American craft beers they focus on the hops. You know that's what we're all about. You know we want to bring that hops into the the forefront of the flavor and the and the experience in American craft beer. And um, there's basically a a uh, mixture of a variety of uh, hop varieties, uh, and it it goes into describing that the IPA some IPAs have as much as ten different varieties of hops in them, and it's interesting because right now I I realize that uh, that Rogue Brewery is uh, it, you know they have a, a seven no a six seven and eight hop IPA, and I tasted the eight hop IPA uh, in during that tasting segment that I had with my buddy Alex. And I was surprised. I'm like, wow, there's there's eight different hop varieties in his. I was afraid that that beer was going to be, you know, kind of like muddled up or be all those hops were going to play against each other and fight each other and it would be a big giant mess. And you know what? I was surprised that it actually was a pretty tasty beer and that they mixed those hops in a in a very good way that gave you a good tasty beer. So um, maybe I was mistaken that you can have. 10 hops in an IPA and still get a good beer. Uh, and just for clarification, Rogue also has a four hop. Oh, a four hop line. too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Thank you for clarifying that because uh, as I mentioned before, I don't drink a lot of Rogue. Although lately I have been drinking a little bit of Rogue because they've been coming out with some, you know, interesting uh, beers lately that I've been wanting to try. And um, again, going off on a tangent, they've lowered the price on their beer before, uh, in the early days of craft beer, they were charging a premium for their beers, and now they've kind of come back to reality and are charging a, a decent, you know, like a four, four fifty to five dollar range for a twenty-two ounce bomber, which I think is a great price range uh, for them to to do that. So I've been picking up a few of their beers because they've they've come back down into my price range that I want to to buy their beer. So okay, tangent over. <laughs> All right. So they also this article mentions that. There's even another uh, brewery. It's Rally's Lone Rider Brewing Company. They said they concocted a recipe 
with 77 varieties of hops, and it's called the Magnificent 77. Have you had that beer, John? No. Okay. Does it sound interesting to you? It sounds gimmicky to me. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds gimmicky to me, too, because I just mentioned that I thought that even eight hop varieties might be too much. 77 seems like that's, you know, a lot. I mean, that's ten time, almost 10 times the amount of hops in the 10, oh, in the 8, that, you know, I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of uh, hops that just seem like a waste of, of ingredients. Okay, so, uh, again, the article goes into mentioning that uh, combining multiple hop varieties into a single beer helps brewers dial in the desired flavors and the composition for the aro- uh, aromatic hops and the bittering hops so to give them the right taste that they're looking for in that beer that they're trying to, to you know, create. They also mentioned that there's more than 100 varieties of hops on the market today, and there's still more in development, which is great. And uh, this is combined. This is uh, creating a world of possibility for brewers to combine and explore, uh, and so they can experiment and uh, and and ev- you know evolve into whatever the next future beer is going to be, whatever they decide to do. And it's always interesting to find what these brewers are going to do, uh, you know, with the hops and the malts and different you know things they're going to do and what beers are going to create. So that, that's great. Okay, so then. They're going to go ahead and they're going to talk about uh, five different, I think it's five different, one, two, three, four, five, six different hops. And John, uh, the first hop they're going to talk about is the Cascade, the U.S. version of the Cascade hop. So why don't you hit us with what this hop is all about? All right. So uh, starting with just what it gives you in the beer, aroma, this can be floral, citrus, grapefruit. Uh, and I think more you get that citrusy character, at least these days, yeah. uh, from the Cascade. Um, but Cascade's pretty much the hop that started craft beer. It was a hop that they could get their hands on uh, when craft beer was kind of up and coming because um, other people didn't really want it. Uh, but uh, it was developed by the USDA in 1955, released in 1972. Yes, it seems like a long time, but hops <laughs> take a long time to develop. And maybe sometime we'll go into what it takes to bring a hop to market because yeah. it is intense and it takes a lot of time and resources to make that happen. Um, but uh, by 1986, uh, Cascade accounted for 9% of the total American crop. Uh, and today it uh, is the second most favored craft beer, uh, brewery variety. Um according to the Brewers Association surveys. Hmm. Um, but a couple single hop beers, you can go check out uh, Mirapon Pale Ale. Yeah. A Cascade, which we just tasted a few episodes ago uh, from our uh, uh, favorite brewery, Deschutes, or one of our uh, favorite breweries. And then Liberty Ale from Anchor Brewing Company. Uh, so both of those should be pretty widely available yeah. uh, to find. Um, and, and then, uh, I know this one isn't in their list, but Sierra Nevada pale ale, uh, strongly favors cascade. So that's another one you can check out. And another yeah. one that we tasted on the show. Yep. So excellent. So, uh, how would you tell us about Centennial? Okay. Well, guess what? Uh, Centennial is one of the, the three C's, uh, of, uh, of, of hops that are pretty widely used. 
And it also, if you're talking about the aroma and the flavor, comes across as floral and citrus, which is similar to the Cascade, and some lemon, but it is less intense than the Cascade variety. And this is known as, the Centennial Hop is known as a super Cascade. And uh, because both the, the hops share a similar aromatic, I can't say that, aromatic <laughs> qualities as a Cascade without uh, any of the same genetics of the pedigree. Okay, that's kind of cool. So it has the same uh, characteristics, but they don't share the same pedigree. Uh, one thing that is cool about the Centennial is that it contains almost twice the alpha acid content, which means it gives you that extra bitterness with the uh, the higher uh, alpha acid quality. And so it's a good dual-purpose variety that brewers utilize for its aroma and for its bittering qualities. So that is uh, is really nice. And this hop was originally developed in 1974 and released in 1991. And if you want to try some single hop beers that utilize this hop, you have the Two-Hearted Ale from Bell's Brewery. And so our guy, you know, all of our peeps over in the Michigan area can can uh, enjoy that. I I can't get it here. John, are you able to get Bell's in Washington in Seattle area? Uh no, but I think they've started uh distributing in California. Okay. Actually. So okay. maybe they'll eventually swing up north for us. Okay. And I'm trying to remember if this was one of the beers I had when I was in Virginia this last trip. Do you remember me? I think I had one Bell. I don't know if it was too I don't know if I had this one. I don't know. I don't remember. I have a horrible memory. I'll have to look it up on, and I'm, I don't know where my phone is. I need to, if I, I could look it up on Untappd, but I'm just too lazy. But, uh, but yeah, too hard L. Another one is Hellhound on my L from Dogfish Head. And, um, that's one of the Dogfish Head beers I have not had. So I don't know if it's good or not. Uh, but hey, if you can get Dogfish Head, look for Hellhound on my L. It's like a like a play on a song, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I've had that one. Okay, it's not familiar to me. Okay, so John, we just talked about the Citra hop. So, what is the Citra hop all about? So, Citra, uh, also starting with C, but not one of the three C's. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a newer edition. Um, but Citra, uh, usually associated with uh, kind of a lemon lime kind of thing, but it can also be uh, grapefruit, melon. Gooseberry, uh, which I'm not sure I could pick out, uh, passion fruit, and lychee. Um, yeah, like I mentioned, this is a newer hop released in 2007. Uh, it's high alpha acid, which means it can give a lot of bitterness. Um, but uh, it's mostly used for flavor and aroma. Uh, it can be really intense, and um, but uh, not like aggressive, um, which is nice. Uh, but I think that's why you see a lot of single hop beers with it and a uh, couple to check out uh the pseudo sue from mm. toppling goliath yeah uh which i think uh chris mckenzie has, has he just, had some of that he recently just, yeah he just had it not too long ago yeah um and then zombie dust from three floyd's brewing which i really enjoy so it's another good one to get your hands on yeah yeah i i still haven't had either of those beers i need to i need to try those have you, you haven't had the pseudo sue yet I have not had any Toppling Goliath. Okay. So. Okay. So how about uh, Galaxy? All right. Well, Galaxy is a hop from Australia, down under, 
and this has an aroma from of passion fruit. I, you know what? I don't really know what passion fruit tastes like, even though I just had a, a single hop passion fruit ale. Um, I still can't tell you what it actually tastes like. It tastes kind of tropically fruity. I mean, is there any go, kind of a good descriptor for passion go, fruit? Go pick up the 10-barrel pina. That smells and tastes like passion fruit juice, and that's it. Okay, that's <laughs> that tasted like pineapple juice to me. So passion fruit is like pineapple? Well, it's it's pineapple and passion fruit. For me, the passion fruit was what came through. Oh, okay, but okay. Okay. Maybe you just don't know what passion fruit is, so you can't. I don't. I don't. I've never. I've never gone and grabbed a passion fruit and bit into it and tasted it. I don't know if you can do that. Do they sell <laughs> just passion fruit? I don't know. <laughs> what is passion fruit? Is it the fruit that's generated in the middle of passion? I don't. That sounds dirty. Yeah, um, we, we better move on. Okay. <laughs> so, so the aroma and the flavor comes from passion fruit, tropical fruit, some mild citrus, some mild earthy grass notes. Now. You know, we try to keep the, the earthy grass notes to a minimum for the most part. I think for Galaxy, I tend to get a lot of the tropical fruit in, in my uh, ability to pull out the flavors and aromas is from the tropical. Again, I'm not good at, at uh, identifying the, the passion in the you know fruit portion, but hey, maybe I know what it is. I just don't know what it is. You know, that's, that's how I roll. So as I mentioned, it's an Australian hop. Uh, it contains the highest oil content of any variety, giving it a pungent aroma of passion fruit and citrus. That strong aroma lends Galaxy Hops to a top choice for dry hopping. So hey, go out there and grab some Galaxy Hops and dry hop for a nice passion fruit, tropical fruit, citrus uh, you know, aroma on your beer. That sounds fantastic. And they give us a couple great uh, examples. One is the beer Tasmanian IPA from Shafley Beer. And the other one is the Galac- Galactica. Oh, Galactica. <laughs> I was surprised you, you struggled with that one. I thought I, that'd be right up your alley. Well, you know, you know, I haven't mentioned any to anyone yet, but I have the week off and um, I haven't hesitated on drinking today. So um, my mind is not as sharp as it usually is. So just bear with me. So the Galactica. Uh-oh. This doesn't bode well for any of us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> From Clown Shoes Brewery. And I've had some Clown Shoes. I, and what's interesting is Clown Shoes gets out to California, but it doesn't come anywhere else. I think, you know, on the West Coast. Maybe you can get some clown shoes in your area. Can you get clown shoes in Washington? I don't think so. Yeah, I think they pretty much come to Cal- like Southern California and then everywhere else on the West Coast they don't they don't distribute to, which is sad because I, I've enjoyed their beers when I've had them over on the, the East Coast. I really think they have uh, uh, some decent beers. Um, so, yeah, I, I need to try the Galactica and see what they have to – showcase on the galaxy hops oh apparently they do come to washington but very limited okay okay well then remember to pick me up a few when they come into town yeah i'll have to keep my eye <laughs> all right john now the next hop on our showcase is the mosaic hop and while you're talking about the mosaic hop isn't this the hop that we used in your pale ale that we brewed when we were together it is. Okay, so talk about this hop and then tell me if you've tasted the Pale Ale. All right, so Mosaic. Uh, it's called Mosaic because it just can have a huge array of flavors and aromas that, that can come out. 
And you'll see that it's all over the map as I describe its aroma here. Blueberry, tangerine, papaya, rose blossoms, bubblegum. And that's just a few of them. <laughs> um, and you can, like none of those are in the same family. Um, but uh, it's a very new hop uh, introduced in 2012. Another very high alpha ha- acid variety. Uh, it's become hugely popular uh, mostly because of this like complexity that it can bring and it can be just very versatile in how you use it. Although some people are very put off by this hop because what they get from it is not necessarily pleasant. Mm. Um, thankfully I'm not one of those people, so I, I'm not exactly sure what they're upset about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it can be used in many styles of beer due to all these flavors you can get from it. Uh, and it works really well with other varieties to, to give, you know, that depth and complexity. Um, so some mosaic single hop beers, uh, yellow rose from the lone pint brewery, Magnolia, Texas, <laughs> and fearless mosaic from fearless brewing company, Estacada, Oregon. Wow. Uh, and a non-single hop beer, the pale ale that you, we brewed, yes. um, which uh, since I cleaned my lines is tasting way better. Oh, good. Uh, it was picking up some serious funk. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's a little aggressive, I will say. Um, my on-the-fly calculations left it a, a little bitter for what I'd prefer in the pale um, since we could just kind of made it up as we went. Uh, but uh, definitely a good base, and I think there's something to to come out of this uh, with just a little tweak so okay um, but very drinkable still it's not like undrinkable uh, aggressive but it's just a little a little out there so it's not so. as it's for a pill it's not as balanced as you'd like to have it i could enter it in an ipa category yeah. i think okay and do all right okay <laughs> so. all right well good i'm glad i got the update because i've been meaning to ask you about it but I, I didn't want to ask you in case it was really bad so i'm glad that it's turning out better than you thought that yeah i didn't want to tell you because it was turning out really bad but <laughs> that it was dirty lines so <laughs> okay okay well you can always let it mellow out too maybe you you know maybe it'll get a little better over time I just blew one keg i got one more so. wow that's right that was a 10 i forgot that was a 10 gallon batch we made yeah okay wow all so- right <laughs> so we got one hop left nelson savan so tell us about that one. All right, the Nelson Savan, and this this I mean I think I first had this uh, this hop in a beer was from, uh, gosh, it was Whitmere Brothers, I believe. They have a uh, a Nelson. They had a, they introduced like a Nelson IPA, I think it was, and I really enjoyed it. Back this was back like four years ago, I think. So this the aromas that come out of a, a Nelson Savan hop is a white wine characters. There's some fruitiness. There's also some fresh crushed gooseberry. And, man, they pick a, a berry that is not common. I mean, what the hell does a gooseberry taste like? Uh, I don't know. But it this, they can give you the gooseberry flavor. And also some grape-infused flavors. So uh, this is an interesting, an interesting hop. Uh, it's particularly unique. to It uh, comes from New Zealand. New Zealand. And uh, this variety displays an intense, almost overpowering fruit flavor that can be used to produce big, punchy ales or bitter lagers. Due to the scarcity of this hop, craft brewers face difficulties in building brands around the variety. And they, 
actually have begun to turn away from it because they just can't get enough of it, right? They, so this is one of those hops that has uh, that hit the the market big, but brewers just don't want to rely on uh, making a beer that they can produce more than once because they may not be able to get it the next time they try to get it. So that's kind of a, a bummer. I wish that some of these hops could be produced in more uh, uh, quantity to to be able to get out there to the population. I think. I think I remember listening to the four brewers, and they were talking about uh, one of the, you know, interviewing a, a brewer or, or someone in the uh, in in that area, and that 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 the, the one hop farm that produces this thing, they're they're completely uh, satisfied with the amount of production they do, and they sell it, all their hops to one you know distributor or whatever, and they don't have any intention of producing more of it. So, looks like. It's going to be a scarce hop for us to try. But if you're lucky enough, you can taste exactly what this hop tastes like by trying the Humming L from Anchor Brewing or the Nelson Savant Single Hop Pale L from Hill Farmstead Brewery. And uh, good luck on getting that one. That one's from the Greensboro Bend, Vermont Brewery. And I've heard of Hill's Farmstead, but I've never had any of their beers. How about you, John? Yeah, it's supposed, you, you supposed tried? to be a, a hot item yeah. out there. So. Yeah. So uh, anything else you want to talk about on this uh, topic, John? I don't think so. There's a lot of uh, very popular hops right now. So. All right. All right. Well, then we'll move right in to letting you guys know that uh, we just want to thank Open Forum Radio Network because they support our show. They provide our hosting space at openforumradio.com. And if you like what John and I have to give you, then we think that you're also going to like what other podcasts that are hosted on the Open Forum Radio Network, like the shows we're going to give you right now. Hey, you. Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny and John. Now, I know you're a crafty consumer, and if you would like to consume other great podcasts, check out openformradio.com. We house such podcasts as Open Form Radio Proper, The Forty Cast, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, Just Press Start, The Married Gamers, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Lost Treasures of Gaming, Primetime, My Peanut Gallery, and many, many more. And please remember to leave these fine fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this show. Again, thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft. Now it is time to talk about a news article, and we have one such article that was posted on our Facebook page at Tap the Craft on Facebook. Go check us out. Chris McKenzie posts a lot of great articles on there, so please uh, go visit and leave your comments. And this article is, if you are a fan of IPA, science says you're more likely to be a psycho. And those are some harsh words. And this is from the Vine Pear website. Uh, I don't know how quality they are because that's the first time I visited them. But uh, it's okay. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read some highlights of this article. I'll have a link of this article on our show notes, which you can find on our show post on openformradio.com. So go visit, click the link, and read it for yourself if you want more details. But it says, if you're a big fan of bitter drinks, such as IPAs, then uh, the scientists at the University of Innsbruck in Austria, okay, already I'm kind of questioning the, uh, you know, where the studies are coming from here, have uncovered that you're also more likely to exhibit malevolent 
personality traits. The same is true if you crave black coffee or tonic water. Okay, so let me just say right now, I do love bitter things. I love IPAs, and I love black coffee. I put nothing in my coffee. I like it bitter and black. I like my iced tea bitter and iced tea-ish. No lemon, no sugar, nothing. I like things bitter, but am I a psycho? What do you think, John? Am I a psycho? Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Let's see what the study says. Let's see. Let's see what the study says. Okay. It says, and again, if you crave black pot, black, black coffee or tonic water, basically you're a psycho. That's what it says right there. You're a psycho. Okay. Now this is funny because right now this big crave of IPA everywhere I go, everyone wants an IPA. So that means there's a lot of psychos out there because everyone is enjoying these bitter beers. So um, to come to their conclusion, the scientists surveyed. Again, this is a, you know, they went and surveyed 1,000 participants, and they asked them to rank a variety of foods on a six-point reference or preference scale. And once the foods were ranked, the respondents were also asked to complete a personality questionnaire. Now, you know what? These personality questionnaires, you know, I've taken a number of them. I was in the military. I, I had to go through a lot of psych tests to get on, be on submarines because they want to make sure that you're not, uh, you know, crazy. So, obviously, if I was psycho, I would have never made it on to uh, submarine service. So, I, I think these tests are kind of bogus. But, uh, you know, they, they took some personal, personality questionnaires. The results were then scrubbed against each other to determine the results. I don't understand what that means. How do you scrub against what? I mean, I don't know. Okay. It's science. You're not supposed to understand it. You're supposed to just say, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I believe. And the hypothesis was that our taste preferences develop very early in life, just as our personality traits do, and that perhaps the scientists could identify a correlation between the flavors we enjoy and the unique personality traits. Whatever. Okay, I, I think this is kind of some uh, hogwash science right here. So... The researchers uncovered that it was more that that the more the person craved bitter flavors, the darker their personality. Scientists believe this correlation exists because we have naturally evolved to see that bitter flavors as a warning sign, as bitterness is generally correlated with something that may be toxic or harmful. So in effect, those who prefer bitter flavors may be getting a thrill from tasting something that might be harmful for them. That certainly does sound a bit psychotic to us. What do you think about this study, John? Just because you enjoy a bitter beer means that you're taking a risk that it might poison you and that you are psychotic by even wanting to take that risk? Well, I guess I'll just have to see how deep this rabbit hole goes. <laughs> uh, load up on IPAs. See yeah. where it takes me. Okay, yeah. I, You know what? This makes me laugh. Uh, I mean, I could hardly get through the article without laughing at every paragraph because I don't think this is true science. This is, uh, I mean, I don't know. I need to see their control subjects. I need to see that, uh, that when they feed people IPAs, they actually, you know, take a normal person that doesn't have psychotic traits and then feed them IPA. And then see if they all of a sudden become psychotic, right? They start to hurt themselves or hurt other people. I mean, how can they say that they make us, they're making assumptions that just because you like bitter things, that you must like to take risk. And thus, if you like to take risk, you're psychotic. 
I don't know. That that's a that seems like a pretty pretty weak uh, correlation to me. So I don't know. Hey, why don't you guys out there go ahead and write into us and let us know whether or not you think this study is just or just a bunch of hogwash. And uh, let me know if you like IPAs and let me know what kind of psychotic things you've done uh, because you drink IPA. Okay, John, guess what time it is? It is time to wrap up this show. And I want to give you the opportunity to lift that glass up high and give a toast to whoever you feel like giving a toast to. All right. I'm going to raise my glass to, to Wes. I mentioned he got married. So uh, cheers, buddy. Congratulations. And uh, thank you for not being uh, the world's problem anymore. Uh, good luck to Kristen dealing with you. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? I want to congratulate Wes, too, for uh, making that commitment and uh, getting hooked up with a wonderful lady. And, hey, cheers to you. Also, you know what? On that note, John... I need to raise my glass to you and to your wonderful wife, Kristen, for you guys just celebrated an anniversary yourself, and I just want to raise my glass to your seventh anniversary. Thanks, bud. Yeah. So you've made it You've made it over the hump. You know, if you make it past seven, you can make it for 30 or 40, 50, you know, so you're so good you're to saying go. I missed my out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, you, you have to, you know, you, you missed the out. Now it's, now it's easy. Oh, man. <laughs> So that's that's good. Hey, I'm all about. Uh, I mean, I, I think that you guys just went over seven. I'm like, wow, that was that was a long time for me. Seven years, seven years. <laughs> Since we're getting ready for our 27th, it's just like, wow, that's crazy. But hey, you're, you'll be right up with us before you know it. Uh oh. <laughs> I also want to raise my glass to a few new listeners that have uh, reached out and contacted me. Uh, the first one is uh, Tom Byrne. He's a new listener. Guess where he's from? He's from Boise. And I'm so excited that we have some Boise listeners. I'm always looking for people around my area to go ahead and listen into us and give us a, you know, a, a chance. And now I have one. So, Tom, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for the kind words that you, you had to say about John and I. And uh, if you want, you know, look me up and uh, we'll get together and have a beer. And we can, uh, you know drink together i like drinking with with people so that's an invitation also we have another new listener tom joseph he um you know recently joined uh, in and listened to the show and he uh wrote in and asked me about he's making a trip into the northern idaho area <clears throat> to post falls idaho which we just talked about uh with selkirk abbey uh, brewery which is one of the brews i really enjoy in idaho and he's going to be in the, the Post Falls and Spokane area, and he asked for some beers to try and some breweries to visit if he, while he's here. Of course, I gave him Selkirk Abbey. I also mentioned over in Spokane, I said, hey, you got to visit uh, No Lie. And also the Iron Goat is a, is a good one. So, Tom, let us know if you make it to any of those breweries and whether or not you enjoyed the beers, and, uh, and we'll shout you out again on our next episode. So have fun and cheers. And, yeah, and the, uh, the No Lie uh, Brewery just won Large Brewery of the Year in the Washington uh, Beer Awards. Oh, so, did it really? There you go. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That, no, No Lie makes some fantastic beers. So I'm, I'm glad for them. I'm happy for them. Good, good deal. And of course, I have one more uh, toast I want to give to our buddy Derek at Detroit Slasher on Twitter, uh, also of the Open Forum Radio Network podcast. Uh, he's always giving us love on the show and, and on Twitter. 
So I just got to raise my glass to him. But he just visited a new brewery in the Detroit area. And he took a, a, a lovely lady on a date there. And he had a nice flight of beers sampling what they had to offer. And I just got to raise my glass to you, Derek. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I hope you had a great time and you got lucky. Uh, may, may the craft beer uh, serve you well in that endeavor. And, you know... Uh, you know, you know, we didn't mention that we just got done celebrating the Fourth of July, Independence Day for the U.S., which is a big day. It's our exit from Britain, uh, the first Brexit, I guess you can call it. You know, we're pretty excited about it, and uh, we wouldn't be able to celebrate this holiday if we didn't have all the support and the service from our servicemen and women out there. I just want to raise my glass. I want to thank. All of our servicemen and women out there for protecting our freedoms and allowing John and I to get on this mic and talk about craft beer and share it with all of you guys out there. Thank you for your service. For our next episode, we will be having a tasting note segment, and we are going to be going old, back to old school, kind of old school, I guess, uh, to one of my favorite beers. One of the, you know, I already mentioned that Bitch Creek is my go-to beer. Well, if I had a second go-to beer, it would be this beer. And I can't believe that we haven't tasted it earlier than now. And that's a Stone Brewing Arrogant Bastard Ale. Yes, we're going to do it. The big ABA beer tasting event. So go out there, grab a bottle or a can of Arrogant Bastard. Yeah, they're in cans now, 16-ounce cans. And taste along with us in episode 52. I think you'll enjoy it, and I know I will. And John will. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you can find the beers and the links to the article we mentioned in the show notes. And the show notes are located on the show post at openforumradio.com. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at LooseScrew. And John, if our great listeners want to follow you on social media, how can you do that? Twitter at Prime Brewing, Untapped, Prime WA. And uh, it's been a little while, but I'm actually ready to put beer in the barrel now so there should be something up at homebrewengineer.com oh yeah yeah fill that barrel can't wait can't wait all right well hey it is last call it is time to bring the show to a close we want to thank you for downloading and listening to this show and we ask you to please subscribe to the show on itunes or Stitcher radio or TuneIn radio or google play or however you listen to podcasts just subscribe to us and tell your friends about us that's even more important And as a reminder, we release a new show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. Facebook.com. Does it lead somewhere? Uh, Yeah. Oh. It's the uh, Facebook page. Oh. Facebook fan page on Facebook. Okay. The All Facebook right. page celebrates how our friends inspire us, support us, and help us discover the world when we connect. And there's an auto-playing video of Mark Zuckerberg right when you start, so that's no fun. That's no fun. Yeah. Okay. But. I'm not visiting that page. <coughs> You're right there? Sorry, John. I'm choking. Ah. <sighs> <laughs> I know cut- it's hard to believe Wes actually got married. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'll cut that out. I I breathed in some beer. 
and beer doesn't taste good in my lungs. I'm feeling a little psychotic now. 